Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week we're going through the Hammersley Brothers roadmap in the stage of businesses doing between 40 to 200k a month. A couple of weeks ago we did the 0 to 40k and this is a continuation of that series of podcasts. We're going to be talking about traffic, conversion, retention and scaling aspects to get your business up to the 200k mark. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good afternoon, Mark. I'm okay. Good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. Just uh, starting another day and uh, getting ready to, I think I'll probably go to the gym after this. Excellent. Yeah. This is the time of year where it's beautiful weather in the UK. And normally that means it's terrible weather in New Zealand, which I love to tell you about. Has it? Has it? How's the um, hammock? How's the hammock, Mark? Wet. Lying in the hammock. Wet. Excellent. Very wet. And also, Good. my son. My son hasn't done the lawn, so it's a little bit like walking through kind of like an unkempt field at the moment. But I digress. And I was going to ask you about the weather. And because obviously we're English, we're going to talk about the weather. But like I noticed on the seventeenth, a lot of my UK clients kind of it was not as good as normal because it was warmer weather is that has it continued or is it still it's been very good weather yeah yeah it's because obviously it was just bank holiday weekend i think it was a final bank holiday weekend and um, the weather actually has a massive effect on e-com yeah performance it really does because if the weather's too good um everybody just doesn't do anything they just go and sit outside well particularly if it, um, if they haven't had good weather before like that in the year if it's the first good weather all, they, they all, all go and... everybody goes mental and gets out there i mean i last i was in the uk yeah. and everybody was like sitting outside the pub and i was thinking it's bloody freezing what you're doing it's like 17 yeah. degrees or something and they were like sitting outside do you want to sit outside i was like no i want to sit inside of my puffer jacket <laughs> thank you very much but but the like I was speaking to the people on the 20k call this morning on on, on the call and uh, they were saying that the weather had gone uh, gone off so maybe it was okay but it does have a big effect on sales um, because you know you you are always see um, like a flat day like a day after the bank holiday or the couple of days after the bank holiday or a sale when there's big big sales on it and also you see a big flatness after you know, if it's the first uh, uh, sunny weather in, in a normally cold country, uh, that massively affects it. Whereas in New Zealand, Australia, because it's sunny a lot more, you don't really see that as much unless there's, yeah. um, you know, a big weather event or something like that. So I think that's very true. In the in the UK, I've seen lot, lots of lots of businesses that seem to be going up and down, like loads of these dips. If you chat to people on on last week on the the level two implementation program mm. they were saying that they're going up and down up and down all the time the thing um, is people actually, do get used to it they do get used to it like if the uk starts having really good weather all summer all the way through the year it, it, it'll just come back to normal because yeah effectively it's like people it's almost like people holding their breath you know people can only hold their breath for such a long time even if there's a recession everybody goes oh let's hold our breath and it's like hang on a minute We've got a business to run. We can't hold a breath forever. We're going to have to go and make those purchases. Yeah. You know, like there's there's all these things that happen, and people think they can hang on, but they can't. There's, they, things have to happen the way that the the market 
works with each other is by trading. And if you're not trading, you're not doing anything. You're not you're not you're not moving forward. People need help with stuff, no matter what it whatever it, what it is. So um, you should see some of those sales coming. But I've definitely seen some softness in the UK since since the 17th. Yeah, yeah. What we really need is is a is a you know a damp, cold, wet bank holiday weekend. Yeah, I said that to then, everybody on the 20K core. I was in the UK and they were like, yeah. they didn't seem to kind of like, that's like, no, that's what you want for your sales. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You had a yeah. bad sales last week. And they're like, well, that's because it's hot. Like, pray for bad weather. Yeah. No, they didn't want no. to. Didn't want no. to. Um, so, anyway, you're, you're supposed to introduce the subject. So I'm going to introduce the subject. And so not, the, not last week, but the week before, we did, we started to talk about our... Um, our roadmap process for for how how we treat different econ businesses at, at different sizes, and you know we started to say okay if you're doing zero to forty k a month, you know the, and you're basically starting starting out and then it goes all the way up to businesses that are doing you know a million million plus a month, um, and 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 the idea behind it is that. Like in, like in most things in, in business, but particularly e-commerce, our industry is full of shiny distractions um, and a lot of bullshit um, and a lot of things that people are telling you what to do. And I think the key to knowing how to navigate your way through that is, is knowing when to do these things because it could be something that you, you're really thinking about that really you shouldn't be thinking about yet until you're doing you know, 200,000K a month. And it's trying to put it into the order because it's all about limited amount of time and limited amount of money. You want to make sure you know where to spend the next pound. And I think when you start to get into this next level up, you know, you start to introduce things like lifetime customer value. So you're starting to think about how you can get people to buy a second time. And you don't really have to worry too much about that in the naught to 40 because you really don't even know if you've got an e-commerce business that's going to get people to buy in the first place, never mind the second time. Mm. But at this stage, you've established that you've got some of the you, you know, fundamental. I mean, I would say generally in a, any e-commerce business should, should almost be considered to be in beta, like you're in test mode all the time. Like it's never going to finish. You should be continually experimenting and pushing but at this stage you've you've got the found the fundamental foundations right you've proved that the concept is there you know you, you're doing between 40 and 200k a month and you're starting to put a few systems in place and i'll let you go through each one mark but i think from my perspective is you're leaning into things that are working and you're starting to think about getting the second sale and and the, the 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 quick the quick story that comes to mind when i'm thinking about getting the second sale because because we, we, when we talk about lifetime customer value we often say that the the trick to getting lifetime customer value higher is focusing on the second sale and it's getting them from one to two and by the time they've bought twice um they're much more likely to buy a third time and by the time by the time they bought the third time you've pretty much got loyalty and they they come back so the key is to get the second sale. And I'll just say that we're working with a client who's just on a deep dive. She's, tr she's selling um, uh, trail running 
equipment, lovely brand, really nice company. Um, and we were saying, well, in order to get to the next level, you're really going to have to increase your lifetime customer value because you, really, you need to sell more stuff to the same customers. And so what's, what's happening is that if we can get them to buy twice, it's going to mean the, the customer's worth more in the long run, which means we can be more aggressive with our recruitment. So you can, you, you know, you can start spending a little bit more on the paid ads because it's now worth a lot more. And that, you know, whereas you wouldn't really think about that when you're, you know, from the zero to half a million mark because, you know, a year, because, you, you know, you really know if you've got any customers in the first place at all. Whereas now that, that's like the first thing we're saying to her now is focus on getting the second sale because it's gonna, you're going to take your life and customer value from £100 to £150. And that means it, it, you, can, you can generate a lot more traffic because it's now profitable. Yeah. So let, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Mark, on the next level up at this stage? Well, I, I just, just for people listening to this um, on the radio in black and white, uh, that you can, we're going to put this in the show notes again, the, um, the roadmap, um, not behind an email wall. You can just download it. It's just a PDF, and you'll see what we're talking about. We're talking about the next uh, level up, which is 40 to 200K, as Ian mentioned, and then which splits into traffic, convert, retention, scale. So this is the kind of things you need to be looking at this phase in e-commerce. And um, if I start on the right-hand side um, and talk about scaling, so the, the the first thing we talk about here is the things like SOP and systems and, and teams, right? So if you're if you're doing naught to forty k, you're going to have some semblance of teams. You might have some freelancers and stuff like that. But as you go from forty to two hundred k, you're going to start to want to put some systems in place, a bit like that um, that book, the E Myth kind of style. So SOPs, standard operating procedure, even if you're just using those yourself, because if you're just using, like, for example, on, on the demo store, for example, when I go to change the, the, um, the offer, like there's about 10 different places I've got to change it each time. I've got to do the welcome emails. I've got to do it in the, on the site. And, and I always forget something. So I've got an SOP that I go through and it takes me five minutes if I go through that SAP and if I do it manually I have to remember everything it takes me about half an hour so even SOP systems for yourself and you know with a lot of the businesses that are built building SOPs um, it, even if it's you're doing it yourself allows you to give it to somebody else at some point you've got to get it out of your head and hmm. also in the scale section we say get out of packing and free up one day or, or, or get if you're not packing fine but basically freeing up one day because you've got to have the mental capacity and space in order to see the opportunities. When you're in a business and you're working really, really hard, um, what your brain will do is it will, it will stop any opportunities and ideas for opportunities coming through because it'd be like, I can't be bothered. Or no, I'm, no, I can't. I'm exhausted. I don't want to know oh, about okay. more sales. I don't want to think this is, what I, this is just what I can cope with. And so you have to free yourself for one day, one day is to give yourself the mental capacity, the mental space to be able to see what's actually, what's actually happening. So we always say about freeing up one day, which then allows you to go and get the growth for the next, the next phase. If you are mm. flat out at 40 K a month, you're not going to grow to 500 K a month. Well, because you become, you become the bottleneck. And I think this yeah. is, this is the time 
at this stage, 40 to 200k a month, where we do see the owners and the founders becoming the bottleneck. Mm. Um, and Got a good story about that, quickly, actually. Yeah. Good story. stories. Yeah. Story. So, um, I was speaking, uh, uh, Heather's going through the deep dive at the moment. She's in Australia. She sells spare parts and she gets about 100, 200 emails a day of obviously people asking whether it's the right part. And I said to her, look, we've got to sort this. We've got to sort this out because, you know, you're, you're, you're saying to me that you could go and spend more on Google ads, but you can't because you don't want to lose the emails. And we, so we started to build an overseas team for her with um, I think she's going to use people in the Philippines because it's a good, good time overlap. And we've started to train those, those, that team to answer the emails. And she thought they would maybe be able to answer maybe 50% of the emails, but like we're, a, we're a month in now. And she, she's saying that they're pretty much answering 90, 90% of the emails and it's completely revolutionized what she's doing in the business and why. And so, you know, she would never get to 500 K a month mm. if she's, if she's kind of having to answer 200 emails and she just gets exhausted. And it's amazing, actually. That, you know, that, I mean, I, I've had this in my own my own businesses. I, I've been, I've been when we, we had a podcast about it, didn't we? But I, I was saying that you know I've been I've been really really busy for a couple of days or a week, absolutely flat out. Um, but I've been I've been running around chasing my tail, and I, but mm. I, I hadn't realised that actually I wasn't moving the needle, I wasn't doing anything that was actually driving the business forward. I was yeah. just reacting to what was going on, and yeah. it's, and it's so easy to co- to confuse that with being, you know, making progress because you're not actually making progress. You're just treading water. I know, and it it doesn't seem to make any difference. Like I last month, I think I had the quietest month in terms of stuff I was doing, and yet I had one of the biggest revenue months I've ever done. And then other months I've been like, oh my god, I just can't cope. And it doesn't doesn't always reflect. It's yeah. It, it, it's very, um, you know, it, it, you really have to look at it to understand what you're doing, what, what's adding value, but certainly getting into systems, building teams and freeing yourself up for the next mm. stage is, is important. Um, obviously introducing the drop by drop and the profit and loss sheet at that point. So the drop by drop people on the 20 K core and people who listen to this podcast will know, know what that is uh, and building that out. Um, and the profit and loss sheet is, is starting to kind of start to do a bit of forecasting uh, with a profit and loss sheet, which is similar to the, the target sheet, but it just looks at overall profitability yeah. in the business. To be honest, a lot of people I don't use it as much these days. We, we used to use no, it. The, no, it's the drop, the drop by drop reports, the, the best one mm. to use. And I think actually the profit and loss sheet really merged itself into the drop by drop report. And the drop by drop report, it, it, because at this point in the business, you are starting to look more at data and forecasting um, and looking at where you are against target, you're starting to look look a little bit more about that. We, we don't actually say the next one above, the 200 to 500K the month, is where we start looking at the flying bridge, which is more mm. the, the, you know, the dashboard, the daily, weekly, monthly. Yeah. But at this stage, at this level, um, the drop-by-drop report is something that you should be looking at every day. Yeah. And it's really what it's really getting dialed into that and becoming quite obsessed with that um, is, I think, is the right thing to do at this stage. And I think if you look, if you look at the, you know, the, the demo store and the brands that we've scaled quite quickly to this level to where we're doing, you know, a couple of hundred thousand a month 
we've we've really only ever looked at the drop by drop report every day. We've never really mm. looked too much at the other stuff. We became because we knew it was all about if we could if we could maintain the RAS we needed, um, we could carry on spending. And yeah. if we carried on spending and maintained the RAS we needed, we were going to grow. And so it became a really quick way for us to look at it. Um, yeah. So that's the scale. So systems in the business, what you're looking at, information, freeing yourself up. And then the column on the right-hand side of that is retention. So we, we start to look at retention at this point because there's no point really focusing on the second sale if you're not getting any sales. Like as soon as you're getting just like 40K a month, there's enough people to go after to increase the lifetime customer value. Now, it, as Ian said, I think he said before, and I said to someone, I was talking to someone this, uh, yesterday night on the 20K core, she was saying, well, I think it was Becky actually, Becky who sells um, motorbike cosmetics. And she's kind of starting to get on the cusp of, of this. And she was like saying, um, I think a lot of my customers, uh, um, if I can get them to buy three times, then it, it works really, really well. And I said that the easiest way to increase your lifetime customer value is to, is to first focus on getting the second sale. Because if you think about it, the amount of people that don't buy the second time compared to the amount of people that buys twice and then are potentially to buy three times is way, way higher. So at that level, 40K to 200K, we really focus on getting that second purchase. And we've, we've done a lot of split testing around. What's, what, and, and what's what, your, what, sorry, let me ask you a question. What's your selling? She sells, she's called um, motorcycle, motorcycle cosmetics. And I think she sells like massage oils and uh, things for fibromyalgia to help with fibromyalgia, which is a a, a condition where you get pain and stuff. She's doing, she's doing really well. She, she took um, the template that I wrote for the founders based ad and it's it's, on Facebook and it's absolutely smashing it which has been okay. fantastic. And obviously now she's trying to get, you know, she's trying to increase the lifetime custom value so she can move up. Um, yeah. And well, what um, I was going to say, what I was going to say about lifetime customer value, there are certain, well, it, I don't think I've ever seen, apart from gifting e-commerce, but I, 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 I always seem to see that if the lifetime customer value, that if they, if they buy a game for a second time, tend to do so quite quickly and the yeah. longer they the longer they don't buy the longer the gap between the first and second sale the, the, the less likely they are to buy for a second time mm. so if they do buy they tend to do so quite quick yeah I think well, the reason for that is because we just look, we just saw that didn't we we just looked at live timely and we did uh, for the demo we store did. and for the demo store which is doing roughly about two and two two million a year now so it's still still fairly small but um it's if people buy again, 60% of people do that in the first nine days, days or something like that. Nine days yeah. was 50%, wasn't it? Yeah. 50% of nine people days. Buy. Yeah. And, and, and it's because it's because it, if often, if somebody buying something, I mean, the, the classic example we often give is if it's homeware, you know, or mm. it's something in the garden, you know, or it's something to do with a hobby like golf or, you know, something like that, because basically, if they if they buy a new golf club, mm. um, they're basically putting their hand up and saying, "Right, I'm really into golf at the moment, and mm. uh, this is what I'm focusing on in my life, and uh, I'm very likely to buy something again quickly because this is what I'm I'm, I'm interested in." The other example is the is the 
the how you know homeware is like if you're buying a mm. you know a table lamp you know you know that people do it at the house and and it's it's I don't I, I think it's like I don't think I've ever seen really an exception to that apart from gifting which is a little bit more stubborn because you've bought yeah. or a really problem solving you know purchase like a car battery but the most e-com businesses I think getting second sale is is a is a is a no-brainer. So basically, what we're saying is, hit them hard when they've just bought quite quickly, with a very good reason to buy again. Yeah, and that and we got, might well be you. You're the only thing you need to do to increase your lifetime customer value. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've done podcasts specifically on those these things. So we won't like. Let's not go into too much detail into how to do it, but like it's like the what to do, and then they can use this this guide to go and download okay, the podcast. Yeah. So um, the next thing is build an unfair AOV advantage and the iceberg AOV razor. So that, that's basically, um, it's talking about in, in e-commerce, you want to go to the market with a superior economics rather than having to compete on the best ads. So if you're coming into the market and you've got a higher average order value than um, everybody else, um, you're going to win, you, you know, even if they've got better ads. And you don't want to be the person because in a market, there's always going to be like 1% of the people who've got the best ads. You don't want to have to be that because it's difficult and that's always changing. You always have to kind of have, you know, you know, it's always difficult to come up with the best creative on Facebook. You want to be coming in with a better economics and that's how you win with e-commerce. So it's all about looking at the average order value at that point and bringing that up and understanding where it works. And we use the iceberg techniques. The iceberg technique is looking at what some customers do um, that gives us an idea of what other customers would do if we made it much more easy for them to do. And the trouble is with a lot of the apps out there is that unless they have the data to prove that people buy this with this and do all this kind of stuff, they don't show it. Whereas if we actually look at the data from, you know, with a hum human mind perspective and kind of go well that's interesting they're buying those two things together um oh that's what we've got in our instagram ad that makes sense let's make it much more easy to buy together then you can kind of make it you can actually make it work better because the average order value will be massively affected by not just what products you show but how you show them when you show them and where you put them into the flow will make a big difference so that's what we're looking at that point and we've done podcasts on average yeah. order value I think I think I just add average order value is a is a there's a massive massive bit to it, um, and we have done a podcast on it. So, but it's where you start to think about it. I mean, you, you know, there's different different levels of it. I mean, you could start to add a little no brain upsell, couldn't you? But yeah, um, I think the problem is with with when you look at like an AOV app on Shopify, for example. Um, I think you kind of oh tick. I've done my I've done my average order value. Uh, it's such a big, it's such a big thing, and in some businesses, it's absolutely critical. So we're working with um, a client who came on the deep dive, didn't he? What was he called Mowers Online? Yeah. And you know, everyone signed the lawnmowers the same price. You know, and and so you know, if if he can get a really kick-ass upsell to get his average order value higher, you know, he's he's going to be bidding for, you know, an an order of a thousand and a hundred pounds. For this lawnmower, mm. as everyone else is bidding for a thousand pounds, so guess who can bid harder on Google Shopping because yeah. they've got an, they've got a hundred hundred pounds extra average order value, and that happens to be a much better margin as well. Yeah. 
So it makes a big difference, which is yeah. you know what, what we're starting to introduce. And, 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 we, and why we want to do that? Because we want to be able to operate at a lower rower. Yeah, yeah. We want to be able to basically give them an unfair advantage, really. Uh, and yeah. that if he has 20% of people who buy an extra battery compared to everybody else, you know, it's that thin advantage. It's just like winner takes all. And it, it, it makes a mm. huge difference about, about making it. And then the other thing is, like, if you've got a hobby-based business or something that people want to um, interact with over a long period of time, it's like a, you, you, we call it the community advantage. So... Um, but the demo store sells bedding. Now, that's an example of a, co of a company that isn't a hobby-based business because people do not want to have, you don't want to kind of have your, uh, uh, be in a Facebook group with your bedding people. People might think they do, but it's not really the thing. Whereas if, you, if it's a fishing business and you're selling fishing gear, people do want to be it because mm -hmm. it's, it's their life, it's their hobby, and it's where, where they're in. Um, so um, like Sarah, Sarah Horano came through the deep dive, well, she came through the 20K core and then the deep dive. She's built a business around the community which she sells luxury handbags uh, great business and um you know i was lucky enough to work with her right at the beginning on the 20k course she came up through this and then she came to the she's onto the deep dive um implementation program at the moment and she has really built a, a facebook group community around the whole business which has meant that has had massive effects on her lifetime customer value um because Ultimately, people buy the, the handbag, but they actually are not buying a handbag. They're buying, they're buying a lifestyle. They're buying a community. They're buying to be part of something. And that, that's what she realized. And there's, there's lots of other businesses that built communities as well. People in deep dive, someone who was selling leggings. And you wouldn't think leggings would have a community. But it was like she was selling kind of leggings to um, kind of normal Australians who wanted something with a bit of fun, with a bit of fun. And she built a Facebook community around it. Um, and it was all about fun patterns and people wanted them. And, you know, it, it was a massive driver of the business. Um, so if you can kind of build a community around it, it doesn't have to be Facebook groups. There's lots of communities being built on Discord at the moment. Have you ever used Discord, Ian? No. Because no, I've started to use it, but like, cause, um, like my son, Ben's, he, he, he's all over it. Like um, there's a lot of the AI tools, like um, one of the great uh, image ones, which is a mid journey, which is a fun produces fantastic images bet we've actually been producing images for um we're going to sell a template a shopify template and we're going to be putting some de demo demo uh, dummy products in it and we've been he's been generating them in mid journey and honestly they're like what's it called it's called mid journey mid journey mid, mid journey i just go just go on to google and mid just do mid mid journey m-i-d journey and then just go okay. and mid journey cool oh, yeah. images and just google that okay. and you'll just they're just absolutely phenomenal um like we've been um I, I wouldn't be surprised i mean the thing is like whoever works in photography and product photography and photo shoots like honestly you can you can generate something in mid-journey you can say you can take an image from a cool website we took an image from a cool website we like the images from we gave it to mid-journey we gave mid-journey to describe what was in the image then use that as a prompt and it gave us another image which was similar to that obviously completely different image as if we'd done our own photo shoot and it was like whoa nobody needs to do photo shoots anymore you know like it's it's gonna get that well it is that good already it's it's fantastic mm. Anyway, I digress. That was, and that's all been done on Discord, and Discord uh, works usually works for a little bit for younger audiences because at least they know what it is. Um, 
but it, you know, the Discord is, is a good community builder, Facebook groups, people, sometimes people do on, on Slack, but a lot of the time with e-commerce, it's still Facebook because uh, like if you're doing Facebook ads, they're on Facebook, obviously, you've recruited them on Facebook, they're on Instagram, and then they'll come, come to a Facebook group and that can work well. Um, but the community advantage will give you a really big boost with lifetime. Well, I'll say, I would say um, a couple of things about the community. I think the first, I think the first thing is um, people get put off by when you say Facebook groups because it thinks a lot, a lot of work. Um, saying, oh God, I've not got bloody time for, to go and manage a Facebook group. But actually, it, it's the same sort of work as just managing a Facebook page, really. You know, you, you don't have to do that much more um, in terms of kickstarting the conversation. Um, and um, it, it, as long as you, you know, you, you monitor, you know, what people are posting in there, which obviously doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take that long. You know, mm. I mean, you just have to be careful about it. But I mean, obviously, how many, how many have we got on our Facebook group now? 14,000. 14,000. But to be honest, we need to do a bit more. I, I've, I've just left the group and it hasn't, not left the group, I'm still in the group, but I haven't done much engagement with it. And I need to do a lot more to putting an engagement. Because even though I've got 14,000, if I do a post, most of the time it's only get shown to 1,000, 1,000 people. So y you have to... You do have to do a bit of work. It depends what you're mm. trying to do with the group. Like a, a lot of people, someone we're working with who sells, um, she sells um, uh, inflatable kayaks in Australia. And she is using a Facebook group to allow new customers to go and talk to existing owners. It's like the owners, the owners group. And that doesn't, that group doesn't necessarily need to be incredibly um, busy. But it's just, it's a great way to kind of, because it's a big purchase, you know, spending like $2,000 on something to go and say, I'm thinking about getting this, what would everybody recommend that? Mm. And, you know, if you've got a great product, it's going to work, isn't it? It's going to yeah. work because people are going to say, oh, I would get this one if you were this height and this were this. And people love talking well, it's about it. a great endorsement. I mean, if someone else is talking yeah. about what product to recommend other than you. Yeah. You know, it does tend yeah. to be trusted. You know, taken um, much more seriously. And then, the, so we go to the next column. The next column yeah, on the left yeah. is, is the convert column. And so we're now, we've now got enough data to understand really what's happening on, on the website. And the first one we talk about is, is customer flow. Um, and again, I was talking to somebody like uh, last night on, on the call about this. Um, and I went into a lot more detail. But the, the, what I was talking about was um, that you, you, on any e-commerce site, you will tend to have one or two or three main buying journeys and how people buy. So the, the example of that that we, we talk about was, remember the, the site that went and got the 100 grand design um, from a conversion rate, uh, work, conversion rate company yeah. and then yeah. and we implemented it and it completely killed the conversion. And then they came to us and said, look, you know, the conversion rate people are adamant their design's amazing, but something's gone wrong. And, and, and what we found was that the, they changed the buyer flow because they've been looking at individual pages and putting those in front of um, groups of people and saying, do you like this and do you like that? But it was like the way people buy had gone. And what they'd done was, is that they, it was a site selling dresses um, and it was site selling kind of like vintage dresses. And on the new site, you'd go onto the category and you'd say, what type of dress do you want? Do you want a, a, a bebop dress? Do you want a, um, 
I don't know what the names are, but you know, like yeah, kind mini of like dress, maxi mini dress, dress maxi dress, all those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. And um, you then click into those and then you would filter the dresses in, in those sections. But on the old site, you could go to all dresses and then filter by color and then by style if you wanted to. But people always filtered by color. People always went, I want a black dress. I want a red dress. And they didn't care dress. what type of dress it was. They just wanted to see all the black dresses. Yeah, because so they, they didn't could, go. They could, it was a much easier discovery. So they didn't. Much, yeah. They, yeah, because they didn't go, I want a new Bebop dress. I don't want an A-frame dress. They wanted, I need a new black dress. And I want to see all the black dresses and I'll see what, what suits me. And so what they've done is they changed the key buying flow and replaced it with something that was inferior and it reduced conversion rate by a half. And so what you really need to understand at this point, when you've got 40K a month at least, is what are the key buying uh, ways people buy? Do they, do they just come to the product page from Google Shopping and do they scroll around a little bit and then, and then buy that first product they see? Or do they come into the category and then how do they filter in the category and then do they buy that way? Or do they come to the homepage? You know, what are those key buying journeys? Because if you change anything on the site, like, you know, go and get a new theme, for example, and add new categories, you could quite easily fundamentally mess that up. And that is, I think that I, I, a designer won't know that because a designer doesn't understand the flow. A designer is looking at things individually. Really, as a business owner, you really need to understand how people are buying on your site. Like if you had a physical shop, you'd know. You'd know, oh, people come in, they look at the, uh, they look at the vases, and they come over to things, and then they tend to buy some of the dry flowers. Like I can just see them walking in or every day. That's how they dry. And every, by the time to get the dried flowers, that's when they start picking them up and, and, and buying them. And because it's an online store, you don't see it. And therefore, you don't think it's important. Mm. But it is super important. Like think about and a supermarket, like how they lay it out. You know, they lay well, it out. masters, aren't they? they yeah. The retail giants were masters of, of store layout, knowing where people, where people looked. Where and how they flow through the store, and I just I say one point about this because because as soon as you start saying website flow and understanding, you know where people go, I think people start thinking that they need some crazy like mouse flow screen recording thing, and the answers are often in Google Analytics. Um, yeah. I'm just going to talk about Google Analytics three for a minute. Um, not to open the, the, the conversation about Google Analytics 4, but in Google Analytics 3, the, the, the way I'd start to figure out how the flow is, is just look at, look at, um, just look at your landing page in your content. Look at, and look at how many people land on product pages, how many land on collection pages, and how many land on, how many land on the home page. And so you get an idea of where people are landing. You know, so, you know, on our demo store, you know, we're getting like 70% of people landing on the product page, 10% of people landing on the home, and there's a rest of, there's very little on collections, a few blogs and cards, things like that. So we know the product page is where they start, and we know which are the most popular products that are coming. And then we, what we do next is we look at the, we look at the pages in all content and we're looking at the next navigation path. So we're saying, okay, well, where do they go next? And we know they land on the product page and then they go to the collection page. And then when they're on the collection page, they often then go click on the top four products. 
and they they do that a bit and they repeat and sometimes they then go back to the home page and on the home page they then go back into the key collection so you can see the navigation it's not rocket science but you have to you have to see most importantly see where they start and and start to see in some businesses it's critical isn't it when when we're working with the art gallery mm. online the online art gallery like and the, and the most notable the other example is the jigsaw company online jigsaw mm. york's jigsaws they um they had this really high time on site so and lots of pages were viewed so you can imagine mm. if somebody came into an art gallery how they were naturally gliding and flowing throughout the art gallery you know to you know beautifully discovering different pieces that's what happens online it's the same journey but mm. But if, you know, but they didn't. This particular client didn't didn't see, didn't think that way, and their and their product page was a complete dead end page. There was nowhere else to go. So if you landed mm. on a product page from any type of product ad, you're stuck. It's a dead end. So that's the. So it is. It is a big thing, and I, I think it's probably ultimately at this stage in the e-com businesses, you're trying to get more revenue out of the existing traffic that you've got. Mm. And so if you can improve the flow which really means you're trying to reduce the bounce rate and increase the add-to-basket rate. You're going to increase the conversion rate, which is going to increase the ROAS for the same money you've got in your ad campaign. Mm. Yeah. So the other thing we're talking about is the daily 16, the offer amplification at this point, because by this stage, the offer architecture that we know works We'll, we'll know what it is. So therefore, we're trying to work out how we can amplify the offer more um, across different places. Because obviously, once we found an offer that works, well, it, it, you can get a, a lot more out of the offer by just making it uh, making it seem. Like it's it, where you put the offer and, um, and, and how you describe it will make a really big difference. And I, I, I talked to a lot of people about, about this on, on the calls. And it's it's so subtle like if you put it basically it comes down to the story and i, I did a i did that uh, um that workshop didn't i on on the add to basket rate in, which you watched the other day and yeah. it, the kind of new concept that i'm now talking about which is the story of discovery on the product page and it comes from like where you see the price and when you see the price because if you see Whenever a customer or a prospective customer sees the price, in their mind, they're going to quickly do a little calculation to, to, to balance the value. They're going to balance the value between, well, how much it is and how much they think it's worth. And if you ask them to do that balance before they've had the key information, you're not going to get the sale. So I, there was a, a story about this was um, like, you know, the, the page we sell the book on. So we sell the book, it's like seven dollars fifty, mm. and right at the beginning, I used to have at the top of the sales page, I used to have a, a buy the book button right at the top. You know, it was on the side, but you could see it, and then you could see all the sales page. And I thought, well, that, that makes sense. Putting it at the top, people can quick quickly click it. Anybody who just wants to buy the book can buy the book. And then I did a split test where I took that button off. And it forced them to go down, either down to the bottom or one of the ones in the middle of the copy. And that massively increased the conversion rate. And because what was happening is a lot of people were just coming through, clicking on the button, seeing how much it was, you know, and then, and then bailing. 
but whereas whereas what what I did later is they it pushed down the price until they had seen more of the messaging. Whereas when they came to that critical point where they actually said, "Is it worth this?" they had more information to make that decision. So you know, with um, you know that uh, one of the huge menswear clients we work with, we took um, uh, the pricing took the off the price homepage, off didn't the we? Homepage. And actually, and, it, and then people like Loaf as well. Loaf have taken the price off the homepage and the collection pages. Yeah, I was thinking, like, is it was it Maximo Duty we looked at a long time ago, and I think they yeah. didn't have it on the category yeah. page. Whether they put it back yeah. on or not, or not. But well, do you know, it's can it, I summarise what you said? Hmm. You what can. you're saying is because because we're not saying to people remove the price from the product page because you're saying it, that was quite a specific example where you had to tell yeah. a story to prove value, credibility, desirability, convincibility. You had to, you had to do that mm. before hitting them with the price. Because if you didn't do, tell that story, all they've got to go off is that's the price. And, and mm. I think you, it is the same for any e-commerce business. You, you, you have to tell the story. And it might be very small, little subtle clues. You know, this is why we talk about the positioning statement the, you know, to pass in the busy, re the busy restaurant test mm. and the elevator yeah, the, pitch. The elevator you know, pitch and the, is key. And the, yeah. yeah, the highlighted quotes and, and things like that, which is, which is all telling a story. And the, and the story really should be focused around the main job to be done and the main anxieties that people have. And that, that, they're the things that you get you get much more out of conversion if you if you can get the, if you understand what the job to be done is and then what they're anxious about and then back it all up with trust and credibility what i didn't say though on the call which i should have mentioned was the fact if you're selling other people's products you you can you can you can you can display the price much more soon in the journey because people because are already it's all about sold price on the product yeah people are already sold on the product so yeah. you know they they don't when they do the value thing they go, does it worth this price? They already know it is, or and they're comparing it against to other people's prices. So the, the reason why they know it is because the convincibility and the credibility of that product is already there. It's not up to you to convince them to buy that product that mm -hmm. everyone else is selling. The job is for, to make them sure that you know, they understand why I buy from you. Mm. And that's the key. Whereas you know you have to. Whereas if it's a brand, your own brand that no one's ever heard of, and you're only selling on your website, you've got to you've got mm. to create the convincibility and desirability yourself. And that's why you've got to tell the story. And this story can be told in in imagery and everything. You know, it's not like a write a story, but we're saying mm. that the positioning of your of your brand has to be in keeping with the story you want to tell. Mm. Anyway, um, big conversation. I, yeah, podcast the, the, Yeah, the the last thing of convert is is install the seven cat seven stack copywriting process and amplify customer UGC, which is all about using the the information you've got so far to bring more trust and credibility onto the site and to reflect back to the customer what. Yeah. Uh, what they want to see now like if you look at the bedding st bedding store the demo store you know it, over time 
we've now got more things to be able to say. We've now got Trustpilot reviews that we can talk about. We've now got endorsements from third parties. We've now got these, you know, things that just and much weren't better there. testimonials, much, and yeah. some, you know, some really nice ones that we can lean into um, and pull out. We can, we can hone in. But, and when, so you, probably people have heard people talking about UGC, which basically is called, it stands for user-generated content, which, which essentially means social proof. And social proof essentially means trust and credibility, which is what mm. we talk about all the time. So it's the same thing. Um, and I think over time, with our demo store, we've understood what people want because we've had more reviews and, we've, and, we've, and we've, we understand the job to be done. And we also know what people are anxious about because we've had much more live chat questions and much more email questions, much more phone calls. And so the social proof and the trust and credibility that we've just mentioned there, it, it gets tighter because we know what people want. We know the job to be done and we know the anxiety. So the social proof um, and the trust and credibility gets, gets honed and refined category by category, which, which I know that's the, the next level up, you know, but it, it, and that really, really helps. Doesn't it? Adding those things on because it's not us well, saying it; it's the customers saying it as well. No, and this is a model I've learned from. I'm actually doing a little bit of work with a, a guy called Alan Sultanic, who runs a Facebook group called Nothing Held Back, which is more for digital marketing, really, not not for e-commerce, but um, good stuff in there. And one thing he he says is the the AIDA model, which is the attention, interest, desire, action model. And he says it's the attention, interest, desire, verification, validation, and then action model, which which is it's appropriate for e-commerce because mm. they'll come to the website, they'll look at the product, they'll look at the thing, they'll be they'll be almost desire to buy, and then they'll go and verify. So they'll then go and look at you know uh, Mark Hammersley store reviews, Mark Hammersley store so and so. And they'll look to make sure that you're the legit business that's got decent reviews and you're not, they're not going to get burned. That's the first step of verification. So you need to look at what comes up when, when that happens. Well, also, and, can I say one other thing? It's not, it's not only yeah. just going, you know, making sure that, you know, if somebody goes off and Googles Mark Hamsley store reviews, also you want to pull that information onto the store. So they don't even have to do yeah. that. So they don't so have to do pulling that. that. Yeah, you're pulling mm. it through. And, and, and we talked a little bit about I don't actually know if it was last week or the week before, but we talked you know, lots of times. I said the same thing I saw this morning. I was having a chat with, a, with an American brand selling um, plants online. And we were saying to them, look, the most important thing you've really got to make sure is trust and credibility because people are very anxious about the quality of the plant. Like, is it going to arrive dead? Like, how mm. is it going to come through the post? So they're very, very keen on knowing what other people think about it. And there's a load of product pages they were showing me that had... Be the first to review this product. Zero mm. reviews. You know, um, no question. Be the first to ask a question, which is which you've said before. But I'm going to say it. I'm going to paraphrase. You said that is basically like saying on your e-commerce store, no one's ever bought from us before, and here's another reason why you you should definitely not buy from us. Like mm. it, it's the opposite of trust and credibility. And loads of businesses have this. Be the first to review, zero reviews. You want to hide that. You've got no reviews, hide it. And, and you want to show the service reviews in the place and make sure mm. that there's evidence of it there. 
So I, I think that's a very good addition to the Aida, which is the, yeah. Yeah. And the last one, interest. the last one was, um, was verification. There's validation and validation yeah. is where, and, and this happens more in certain markets, but like the, the buyer will go and validate in their favorite social media or with their favorite media place that this is a brand that, that other people like them buy. So let's say um, I'm buying some a fishing, fishing gear and my favorite media is YouTube. I will then go onto YouTube and put the brand name in and look at the, for the videos and see whether people like me are talking about it and liking it. And, and, and th so that's, you can't do that at the beginning because you haven't got enough, you haven't got enough revenue, you haven't got enough doing, but as you're getting to this kind of level, that's kind of what you, what you want to see. You know, the favorite medium might be Instagram. Like some, some, some women, like they just love Instagram and they'll, they'll do home decor and they'll go and say, I've seen something interesting. I'll go and see what people are talking about it on Instagram to see what, whether that whether it's that it part of my community or part of the the conversation that's happening, and that's where validation is happening. Happening. Can I say? I think I think it's great. I think it's really good. But I also don't want to. I don't want people to think that that is essential. That they have to go and rush out and do that. Most important thing is you're pulling that information onto the website itself. Mm. You know, so well, you, well we're we, not. I mean, for the demo store, demo store, we're not doing it yet. No. no, but if we want to get to 500k a month, at some point, yeah, you go and yeah. look. If you go and look at, say, you're going to look at our competitors, Dusk. You go onto YouTube. There's loads of people talking about Dusk with loads of funky videos. There's loads of people talking about Dunelm. There's nobody talking about us. You know, like if we want to be that big, when people, because you, know, you basically, as you go and spend more money on marketing, you're going and reaching out to new pockets of customers who want to do that so like yes don't bother with that until you get to the level but at, but the, at some point validation is going to become yeah. more important mm. is what i'm saying makes sense yeah so the last column is traffic and obviously to keep growing we're going to need more and more traffic and the splinter three we've got um google ads facebook ads and seo and email and obviously you can put in today, you know, TikTok and things like that, if that's one of your big channels as well. But um, we've got uh, the Google Ads methods we talk about, which is advanced Google. We, we use a lot of, um, uh, obviously you've got to use Pmax campaigns these days, but we still do a lot of scout and snipling. We still do a lot of DSA campaigns to find out keywords that, that would work. And what you'll find is, and we're finding this with the demo store, like at the beginning, we couldn't use search keywords at all it just we just people didn't want to buy from us they didn't know who we were we could only really use google shopping as you grow um the other uh channels or the other ad types on on google ads and on facebook will will open up to you and so as you as you grow you want to keep trying them even if you've tried them before and they haven't worked you would want to start to work at them because we started to see it for the demo store like we can like things like luxury hotel bedding we're starting to convert on things like that, which we just couldn't touch before um, and, and things like that. So as you get a more compelling site, and obviously all those convert retention scale things that you're putting in place there means that things like that are opening up to you that wouldn't have been there before. Um, in terms of Facebook ads, like the, the structure and the creative that can be open to up to you at this point can be, you know, certain adverts that you may have not had the budget to go and film before. Uh, open up the creative you know you can do like um, some like 
PO view, point of view um, ads. You could do more uh, testimonial based ads because you've got more um, credibility from third parties. The structure can be changed. You can have more testing campaigns running. You can have more, um, more audience testing campaigns running. You can be doing more, um, more things on specific platforms like Instagram and uh, maybe even just iPhone and things like that. So you're starting to open up what you're doing and what you got you to 40K might not be what gets you to 20K a month. Um, do you have anything you want to talk about those two in? Yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, I'm saying, um, I mean, with, 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 with Google ads, I mean, if, you, if you're a Google ad, Google shopping business, you know, it is a different type of business to a Facebook business. Um, you know, so in, in the bedding store, we are, you know, people are searching for our products because they know yeah. they exist. They know the products exist so in some, in some businesses. Um, and there's enough of a problem solving rational nature to let that work. So, but in other businesses, like it just isn't like we're working with a company selling trainers, like a, a new brand of trainers. They're doing pretty well. You know, they're doing about three and a half million. Um, but like, you know, the, Google shopping wouldn't work for them because what are they going to go, do Google shopping on? Like white trainer, like men's trainer size eight, mm. you know, it just, it isn't going to work. It is, it is purely a social play and yeah. and the story then has to be told socially so when they come to the website it's an order taker and that's mm. that that's a very different type of strategy so you know broadly speaking you know not always the case but you can have either a google shopping business or a, or a, a a facebook business um but and, interesting and there are exceptions there are, there, are, there are ones that go in, that do work with both. Go on. Yeah. Well, just interesting. I'm saying naught to 40K, and we say definitely like one main marketing channel there. And yeah. then we're saying 40 to 200K, you know, you start to do maybe a couple. Um, and interesting for the demo store, we're doing around 200K a month now, and we're still only using one. Um, but you, the, the other directors, yourself included, are encouraging me to start doing Facebook. So yeah. you can see that that's kind of like on the cusp of it. Um, yeah, we're just about to go, isn't it? But it, it, would have, yeah. it would have been wrong to have done it before this point because it would have been a waste of time. Um, well, it, it, to be honest, it, it, it might have worked. It's not, it's, not, it's not, I mean, a lot of bedding stores do sell on Facebook and they do okay. But it was just like... You just want to have it. Doing. It it's was easier just easier. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, generally, I mean, we've said this before a few times that if it's a Google shopping business, you kind of go, well, you start the Google shopping and then you, you the, the, the products that do well with Google shopping, you, 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 you do text ad. And then, mm. and, then, and then you take those same products and put them into Facebook. You kind of you use it that way you know, as a general as a general well it, it it was just that kind of business i think i think running on on google ads first meant that the product page was going to get optimized just because that's how it has to happen and then when you move to facebook the product yeah. page is already optimized and it's less important on it's facebook better. for a, a product yeah. page to be optimized because the sales mostly done on facebook and it's just the website's more of an order taker sometimes yeah um, Do you know what? just my other comment around what we've been saying around because obviously traffic and things and you know, interestingly, how we've not talked much about the stats. We've not talked about add to basket, basket checkout, checkout to order. And it's not that they're not important, but if you can focus on getting the positioning of the brand right, the, 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 the credibility, the, the trust and credibility, understand the job to be done, 
and you can weave that in and around all of the channels that sit around your e-commerce site, your site itself, but also your emails and your, your, your ads strategy in Facebook. You, you, you're going to create a much better pull. You're going to create a much better convincibility and desirability play. And that therein increases your ad to basket because you're increasing the, the, the want. They want your product. And it, 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 I think it's very useful to look at ad to basket to see holy shit, ours is really bad. But I don't think the answer to your ad to basket problem um, is, is in a, a technical mathematical thing. I think the answer to your ad to basket problem is probably the positioning, the job to be done, the anxieties and the trust and credibility. Um, yeah. A bit of navigational flow, but it's about, it's about really honing into what the customers want and yeah, and, and a lot of the like this system is about understanding your numbers, but only looking at them ten percent of the time. The rest of the ninety percent mm. time, you focus on selling, you, because you can. I've seen this with businesses, um, and if you spend ninety percent looking at the reports and ten percent selling, you're just gonna nothing's gonna happen. Like the customer doesn't care about your reports, just doesn't care. Like, like they don't they don't care what your 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 uh, add to basket rate is. They don't care what stuff is. Mm. Ultimately, y- y- you want to focus you want to focus on selling. Awesome. If you if you had a physical store, if you sat in the back room doing your accounts all the time and for ninety percent of the time, or ten percent out on the shop floor, or ninety percent on the shop floor and ten percent doing your accounts, your business would be completely different. Yeah, and I think it's the same notion where um, at this stage people start to think about. Let's take let's take um let's take something like speed, okay? Speed of the website, mm. and people can come and say, "I was like, God, I had it, I had it, I had a client that came. They were selling pens, okay, online." I'm sure you and just said, take, "Let's take speed," and I just thought you were asking me to take methamphetamine. Yeah, just to kind of speed speed up the podcast because we've been going on. We have been minutes. going on long. Well, it's my final story. We had right. a client who was selling pens and. The, they, they came and said, oh, we, we really think we go, our, our answer is speed. We think the reason why the website's not converting is speed. It's too slow. Like, we've really got to make it faster um, because we think that, that that's really what's holding us back. You know, we can't, we can't scale anymore. And I, and I, I looked at them and I thought, these are, these are intelligent people, right? They're, they're a good bunch of people. They know what they're doing. Why on earth have they come to the conclusion that the website speed is the thing that's going to take them to the next level. And they were selling pens, right? Mm. A higher, a high, you know, nice pens, like Mont Blanc pens, okay? Yeah. Where you probably buy a pen, like a Mont Blanc pen, once every fucking 10 years, like, and it is not a something you do quickly. It's a very considered purchase. It's an indulgent thing. Speed is absolutely not going to make any difference. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in a physical store in a Mont yeah. Blanc store? And as they come in the door, you put them in a wheelbarrow so you can wheel them around really quickly. So, what do you want to look at next? What do you want to or look you, at next? Or you give them a pair of roller skates, <laughs> and you yeah. say, "Right, you need, when you come in our, our jewelry store, uh, you put these you put these roller skates on, and you go super fast. Or, or you, we're going to yeah. put a self service checkout till so it's really quick. Like it's absolutely yeah. the wrong." thing to think about and i just thought how and, and it's because people in our industry have been obsessed with speed 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 
thinking that people are automatically going to buy. And it's mm. such a load of bullshit. And, and it was even, even more of a bullshit because their website on average was loading at like under three seconds a page. So it was, yeah. it was actually quite quick. You yeah. know, it only becomes an issue if it's loading like over five seconds and it's really slow or you, or you people are adding 10 different things to the basket. And then it's like, it is an issue. But in most cases, it isn't. And so it's like, don't, at this point, don't get distracted by stuff you're reading on e-commerce blogs about the next shiny thing. It's all about, it's not. It's never, ever about the shiny thing. It's about understanding the customer, understanding the job to be done, understanding the anxieties, going much further into trust and credibility, understanding the numbers so that you can see how I can outbid my competitors and make my row. How can I get, how can I operate on a more competitive row than everyone else? That's what it's about. So don't, don't stay on course. And to be honest, it'll be about that all the way through until you get past 10 million. It's still the same. And then you when you get to 10 million, food. you're in heaven. You're sitting on a beach with your margarita, all your stuff. No, it's joking. It's still yeah. the same. <laughs> Gets worse. You become even more anxious uh, because you've got now you've got something to lose. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And you sell it then. Sell it. Sell it on the you beach. Sell it. That's what people say to me. So if you if you knew all this, Mark, you'd be sitting on a beach in the Bahamas doing this. Like I would last about three days, and I'd be like, "Can I go and do something, please?" I'd be bored out of my mind. The more you know, the more you've got to worry about. That's the problem. You need to go back to our naive 18-year-olds. I don't, much I don't want to. Full of optimism, joy, <laughs> hope, with blissfully <sighs> no idea. Yes. And on that pessimistic note, <laughs> we shall call it a day. Um, thank you very much, Ian. Thanks, Mark. You better get to bed. Yeah, I know. I will. Right. Good night. Cheers, guys.